Welcome to A Fruitful Life, a podcast featuring the teaching ministry of Rick Clendenin, Benton, Kentucky. And now, A Fruitful Life. Hello, and welcome to A Fruitful Life with Rick Clendenin. Today, Brother Rick continues Lesson 1 in the two-part Holy Spirit series, taught at the City of Hope Church in Manchester, Kentucky. On the last broadcast... Brother Ray brought us a preview of the two-part series and then read from his text, taken from Acts chapter 1, verse 8 and Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Then he told us about who the Holy Spirit is and used an illustration of a triangle to teach us about the triune nature of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and three attributes of the Godhead. He concluded the lesson by bringing us the first of three things that distinguish man from other creatures. On this broadcast, he'll bring us two more distinctions and then take us to Acts chapter 2 for five observations concerning the Holy Spirit. And now, here's Brother Rick. Amen. And what you got to understand is we have knowledge, and knowledge separates us. First Corinthians, I'm going to give you a ton of scriptures. I'm not going to read them all to you, but I'm going to give you a ton. First of all, understand that First Corinthians 2.11 says, For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of God which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. In other words, he has knowledge. And the Bible says he reveals to us the deep things of God. It said, I have not seen the earth, not heard, neither in the heart of man what God has in store for him. But the Spirit, he hath revealed them unto us. I mean, let me know, he knows some stuff you don't know. Amen. In fact, can I just tell you, he knows a whole lot you don't know. <laughs> That's why we need him. Amen. Amen. Secondly, he has a will. This is another determining factor of being. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. But this work of the one and self-same Spirit, dividing to every man separately as he wills. As he wills. And let me just go a step farther here. That's, that's 1 Corinthians 12, 11. But if you drop down to verse 18 as well, you find that his will is exactly like your will. Our will has two components. Some people use the term permissive will, but that's, that's nowhere found in Scripture, and it's really not true. Okay? God doesn't have a permissive will. If you can talk Jonah into believing that going, you know, a different direction is permitted by God... Then you start with me. But anyway, he don't have a permissive will. But I tell you what he does have. He has a passive will. And the passive will of 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it says there that he gives several as he wills. That word is bulamai in the Greek. B-O-U-L-A-M-I-A. And what bulamai means is the will of God moved by the desire of man. In other words, if I'm eating a bag of potato chips and, and Jessica comes up and says, give me a chip, then her desire moved my hand towards her. And you know we have that same kind of will, don't we? I mean, we use that will all the time. Somebody asks us something that we weren't planning on doing. We just do it because their desire moved their hand. But then, verse 18, there's a will called Thelo, T-H-E-L-O. And Thelo means a predetermined will. I decided my kids was going to school, and I really didn't care how they felt. <laughs> I never asked them one time. You know, do you want to go to school today? I go in there and roll them out of bed sometime literally. <laughs> time to go to school. I've called you my last time. It's funny how you can just take those blankets and roll them out, and they seem to be up then. But anyway, how many of you know that I made up my mind on that? 
And the Bible says he set us in the body as it pleased him. He didn't ask your opinion. He never will either. Amen. And he's going to hold you accountable whether you step forward or not. So you got to understand, he has knowledge. Everybody say he has knowledge. He has knowledge. So he also has a will. And then the third thing he has is a mind. And it's found in Romans 8, 27. He searcheth the heart and knoweth what is the mind of the spirit. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So what separates us from monkeys or hippos or any other creature in nature is our knowledge, our will, and our mind. Our knowledge, our will, and our mind. And the Holy Spirit has all three. What does that mean? That means he's a person. He's a being. He's not a force. So the first thing we need to understand is how to recognize his person. We're always hearing people talk about his presence coming in or manifestation, all these different words. And I'm going to get to that sometime today. But what I want you to understand is first you've got to recognize him, <laughs> the person of the Holy Spirit, if you expect to go to step two. Now, I, I, I'm not going to take time to read because if I do, we're going to be here a long, long time. I've got tons of scripture. But what I'm trying to give you is I'm trying to give you an overview of the Holy Spirit this morning. Who He is, how He operates, observations, pointers, all kinds of stuff that's going to help you experience the flow of the Holy Ghost. How many of you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life? I do too. Well, here's five observations, and I'm not necessarily sure this is exhaustive, but it's what I've seen. There's five observations in Acts chapter 2. You know, he said in Acts 1-8, you'll receive power, and I read that a while ago after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But in chapter 2, we actually see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And these are five observations that I've made concerning the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. In verse 8, I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit and this is in chapter 1, verse 8, is actually given primarily for evangelism. The Holy Spirit is actually given primarily for evangelism. So we could be the witness and evangelize. Now, boy, how many of you know a bunch of Pentecostal churches have not got that message yet? <laughs> they think he was given for shouting. Jumping, running. Pew walking, all this, I ain't got no problem with any of that, except I can't do it anymore. But how many of you know, I don't bother with that. That doesn't bother me. But how many of you know, it doesn't make any difference if you jump so high that you break the sound barrier. If you don't come down and lead somebody to Jesus, you're not operating in what the Holy Spirit desires you to operate in. It's for you to win the lost at any cost. That's right. For you to be a witness. Now, I don't want to get to heaven and say, boy, I've had goosebumps. And the Lord said, well, just turn the air conditioner down. It wasn't about goosebumps. It was about you winning somebody to Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that's the primary reason, evangelism. Verse 11, the Holy Spirit is to give power to the church. Power to the church. How many of you know you need power? In fact, how many of you know that it's not our power, but His power? Zechariah 4, 6 says, It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, that these things have come to pass. How many of you know the Bible tells us, unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, Ephesians 3, 20. By the power that worketh in us, <laughs> speaking of the Holy Spirit himself. So understand, your power produces your works, and your works ain't worth a hoot. Can I just tell you? His power produces his works, and his works make a difference. <laughs> I say it simply like this. 
The work of God can actually only be done by the God of the Word. Amen. If it's something Rick produces, Rick's got to feed it, care for it, hope it lives. If it's something he produces, he'll give it life. Verse 16. The Holy Spirit works according to God's Word. Boy, you better get a hold of this. It will never deviate from the Word of God. He will never deviate from the Word of God. That's how you judge whether it's the work of the Holy Ghost. Somebody stands up and gives a thus saith the Lord. And it doesn't meet the test of 1 Corinthians 14, 3. It doesn't comfort, exhort, or edify. And people's carried away. Well, they said, thus saith the Lord. Listen, listen to me. If it doesn't comfort, exhort, and edify, throw it in a garbage can when you leave and mark that person. I've had them lay their empty hand on my empty head and prophesy every conceivable thing you can imagine. But if it don't add up to the Word of God, I blow a kiss at that and let it go. Are you listening Amen. to me? You better do that because there's going to be false prophets around. Amen. In the last day, they're going to fool many. Why? Because they don't know the Word of God. That's right. That's you better know the Word. You better realize He's always going to move in line with the Word of God. Amen. Man, that's important. Yes. Verse 17, He's given for a last day work. I don't know whether you realize or not, but we've been in the last days 2,000 years. Did you know that? That's right, man. <laughs> People say, Brother Rick, do you think this is the last days? I think it's been the last days since before you was thought of. And I think it'll be the last day, the last day you die. It'll still be the last days. But he's coming. How many of you know he's closer now than he was? Amen. It's been a last day work since the Holy Ghost was here. Do you understand each one of the Godhead has had their space on earth? In the Old Testament, God walked with man. Jesus walked on the earth 33 and a half years. And now we're living in the age of the Holy Spirit. And it's called dispensation. And that's all, all dispensation means is space attack. So they each had a space of time on this earth. You're living in the dispensation of the Holy Ghost right now, and it's been the last day ever since He come. Amen. You better live like it's your last day. Amen. I tell people, plan like He's never coming, live like He's coming in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Make your plans, but live like He's coming. It's the last day. Number five, the Holy Spirit works and chooses to work, and this blows my mind, through human instruments. And that's verse 18. God uses men. I don't know why. Listen, he could have used angels and they wouldn't whine, complain, nor rebel. <laughs> Does make you wonder why he shows us. <laughs> Amen. He uses human instruments. Now what does that mean? That means the instrument is not perfect, but the work is. He is. Right. I have people say to me, Brother Rick, once I got to know you, I realized you're not perfect. Well, honey, I could have told you that before you met me. <laughs> Debbie could have verified it. No, we were publicized. Yeah, I'm not perfect. But the work of the Holy Spirit's perfect. Amen. He's perfect. How many has ever drunk out of a cracked glass or broken glass? I've drunk out of every kind of conceivable thing you can imagine. I mean, honestly, I have. And it don't matter to me. It don't, you know, I've drunk out of plastic bags. They do that in Kenya. That's a weird thing. Pour your coffee in a plastic bag. How in the name of Pete you supposed to drink it back? <laughs> Burning your fingers off. You know, I've drunk out of gourds. I've drunk out of every kind of thing you can make. I don't care what I'm drinking now. I just want the water to be pure. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what he is. 
listen, how many of you know and will admit I'm a crackpot? Yeah. yeah. But here's the important thing. A perfect worker. That's right. So he chooses human instruments. And what I want you to understand is it's not as much about who you are as who he is. And if you get that in your mind, it sure help you be used in time. Because God has spoken to me honestly. He showed me an open-eyed vision, and I was mad enough to kill somebody. And I said to the Lord, you can't be speaking to me now. I'm mad. And he said, if I just spoke to you when you thought you were spiritual men, you would hardly ever talk. <laughs> How many of you have had him show up and do a work through your life when you knew you wasn't worthy to be used? But you just lift your hand. I just want to help you here. <laughs> he uses human instruments, and I don't understand why. <coughs> you get those? Let's go a little farther, Cameron. I want to give you eight principal works that the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer. Eight principal works. Now, let me share with you that the number eight is new beginning. And how many of you know that's why He, the Holy Spirit, has come to give you a new beginning? Because, boy, how many of you had a bad beginning? <laughs> you know, one of the things that appealed to me about being a Christian was the fact they told me God would erase my blackboard. You know, I thought, glory to God, I've been looking for that. Because I needed somebody to redeem my history. It wasn't good. Amen. And the new beginnings what got me cranked up. I thought, my Lord, he come in and erase all that, covered and eradicated by the blood of Jesus. You know, sign me up. I want to get rid of what I am and become something new. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast from A Fruitful Life. We hope that you'll tell your friends and family about the podcast. And if you like, join us on social media by liking our AFL Facebook page or by following Brother Rick's posts on Twitter. You can also find us on the web at afruitfullife.org. A Fruitful Life is the radio and media ministry of Rick and Debbie Clendenin, Benton, Kentucky. You may find out more about Brother Rick's life and legacy by visiting our website. Once again, that's afruitfullife.org. Thanks for listening.